This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. And good afternoon. Welcome to Sandy and Sean here on Mile High Sports, 98.1 FM, and of course, available via the milehighsports.com site, milehighsports.com slash watch or slash listen, depending on your preference. Through the Mile High Sports app, you can also consume our little program today. Our executive producer is the great Danny Bailey, and our call and text line is 303-831-1340. I'm Sandy Clough, sitting in for Sean Rochor over the last several days has been uh, Dr. Rick Perea, who has been uh, basically, uh, he's gotten a house call. So uh, Dr. Perea will not be with us today. We will be joined uh, in just a matter of moments by Marty Richardson from Dog Nation, and we'll spend some time with Marty talking about uh, uh, the hockey philanthropist's latest projects, and we'll talk a little hockey as well. Uh, the Avalanche continue to mystify as they played in Nashville last night and led 3-2. to two. And in the last 38 seconds, gave up two goals and lost 4-3. to three. Didn't even get to an overtime. Coming off a game they probably should not have won in Dallas on Saturday night, a game in which they were down 3-0 and came back to win. 6-3, and so it goes for the Avalanche, who remain in second place in the divisional standings behind Dallas by three points. Both teams have played 17 games, and the Avs are currently uh, tied, although technically in terms of point percentage ahead of Winnipeg in third place, also with 22 points and overall in the West. Uh, all the teams in the Pacific Division lead the Avs in points, Vegas, Vancouver, and the Kings. Vegas will be in town tonight. Uh, no, tomorrow night. I stand corrected. It's every other night. Tonight is Tuesday. Both the Nuggets and the Abs are off. The Nuggets in the middle of a road swing and uh, playing a bizarre game of their own last night, about which we will talk some more Later on, Nikola Jokic thrown out of the game. Head coach Michael Malone thrown out of the game. And, of course, they were playing the Detroit Pistons, a team that had won two and lost 12 going into last night's tilt. The game, of course, played in Detroit. Uh, the Nuggets were down for a good part of the game, but with excellent performances and more minutes for reserves such as Christian Brown, who played 32 minutes, played basically starters minutes uh, last night. And Contavious Caldwell-Pope was probably the hero uh, of the evening. In 36 minutes, 20 points, three rebounds, three assists, two steals, one block, an extraordinary defense on Cade Cunningham, the young star of the Pistons, uh, by far the Pistons' best player, who did have 27 points, but it took him quite a while to get to 27, and he also was forced into five turnovers, largely by Contavious Caldwell-Pope. So, again, we'll talk more about that a little bit later on. Uh, we're going to begin today with uh, 
some news that Deion Sanders tends to make up in Boulder every Tuesday when he holds his weekly press conference. And, of course, Colorado going into its final game with Utah this weekend has lost out on its bid for a bowl game in 2023. Uh, The Buffs are four and seven. No way they can qualify. Uh, Six wins required, of course. Uh, CSU actually has a shot at qualifying for a bowl if CSU can go to Hawaii and win this weekend. That would give CSU six wins and earn the Rams a bowl berth and represent a resoundingly successful season for Jay Norvell and the folks up in Fort Collins, where Rick Perea happens to be today. Don't know if he's uh, working with the Rams or not, but uh, that's where he is, and uh, that's where uh, the Rams will be uh, traveling from at the end of the week when they uh, head for Hawaii in that final game against uh, Hawaii that will determine whether CSU goes to a bowl or not. Wyoming and Air Force, of course, already have qualified for uh, bowl games, and according to the Athletics' weekly rankings of 133 FBS schools, Wyoming is number 44 out of 133 teams. They rank Air Force number 49. CU has dropped all the way down to 77, but again, some perspective. At the end of last year, the Buffs were dead last. They were the worst team in major college football, number 133 out of 133 FBS schools. So moving from 133 to 77 represents a jump of some 56 spots. Not bad, but of course, it's all in how you get there, right? If the Buffs had started let's say, 0-3 and proceeded to win four of their next seven. Most all of those games, Pac-12 games. Wouldn't we have a different impression of Colorado? Well, of course we would. They won, as it turns out, their three non-conference games against TCU down in Fort Worth, against Nebraska here, and against CSU in double overtime here. But the Buffs will go 1-7 and seven in the Pac-12, and that is good for last place, a position they will probably remain after their trip to Utah this weekend. But still a jump of 56 points if it had been framed that way at the beginning of the year. Listen. We're not going to be world beaters in 2023. We may not win more than three games, four games. Remember, all the odds makers had them, what, somewhere, Danny, between two and a half and three and a half wins? Yeah, three and a half was the number I heard Three and a half was the number that I saw most frequently coming out of Las Vegas. The over-under on number of wins prior to the season's opening weekend. And... So they end up winning four. So if you took the over on three and a half rather than the under, you win, right? And you won pretty early in the season. And you qualified 
after they won their fourth game against Arizona State. That's the last game they won. And that was, what, well over a month ago, right? So you you, you could have been breathing easy if that had been the angle you took on this 2023 season. Listen, over-under is three and a half. I'll take the over. Doesn't matter if they win four, five, six. I win. Six was always the ceiling. And by ceiling, I mean it required just about everyone's best effort. Not just star shows from the likes of Shadur Sanders and Travis Hunter and some of the other wide receivers, perhaps. Maybe some members of the defensive secondary, which would include Travis Hunter. Just as much as Travis Hunter has been a wide receiver this year, he's been a cornerback at the same time. And whether you agree with the decision made to deploy him as basically a full-time player on both sides of the ball, the fact of the matter is that he has played almost every snap when he has been healthy on both sides of the ball. He is unquestionably their best defensive player, perhaps slightly more debatable, but I would still argue he's the best offensive player too. Putting that much responsibility on one guy probably means that at least as long as that guy is healthy, you're going to be an entertaining team to watch, but no one can be a one-man team, at least on a team that finishes with a 500 record or better. It's just not going to happen. So six was always the ceiling, and that meant everything had to work. They had to somehow enhance their already existing strengths, and camouflage their weaknesses. And what could also have been said was this. Our activity in the transfer portal is unprecedented and will remain most likely unprecedented, even though teams can do now on the college level what NFL teams do in free agency. You almost never see a team largely built through free agency in the NFL. Your depth comes from your draft. If you fail in certain areas in the draft, you look to free agency to plug holes. That's what the transfer portal is for. It's for plugging holes. You didn't have a quarterback last year up in Boulder, with all due respect to those who played the position, right? So you hire Deion Sanders. He comes as part of a package because you get Son Shador to play quarterback, and he is an exceptional quarterback. Whether he comes out this year, doubtful, or after the 2024 season, he will likely be a first-round pick either way. Maybe later on in the first round, if it's this year, if he comes out a year from now after the 24 season, he could be a top-five pick. Who knows? But what you can't build through the transfer portal or even in one year of recruiting is an offensive line. And to a lesser extent, a defensive line. 
I only say lesser extent because the defensive line generally involves three or four guys. Your offensive line requires five, right? And you could argue that you like to rotate your defensive linemen, so maybe five, six guys get playing time. But if you have three very good defensive linemen, you're in good shape. If you have a front seven in which you have three good players, two or three serviceable ones, and maybe you're struggling at one spot just a little bit. But you go with an extra defensive back, and CU does have some depth in the defensive secondary. But everyone knew over the first three games that though CU was winning, they were camouflaging weaknesses. Even at TCU, I know I was there. The offensive line was not great. The defensive line was not great. The final score was 45-42 because the quarterback was as good as any quarterback has ever been at the University of Colorado for a single game. That was the best game I've ever seen a CU quarterback play. Shadur Sanders threw for over 500 yards that day. Roughly one-sixth the amount of yards he has for the entire season came on opening day in Fort Worth at TCU. That probably wasn't going to be the norm. <laughs> 500 yards a week, 400 yards a week, 300 yards a week. Eh, he's pretty close to that, right? Pretty close to 300 yards a week on the average. But 400 yards a week, 500 yards a week. That was never going to happen. Although he came back with a nice game against Nebraska the following week, and although he struggled for the first three quarters against CSU, Colorado staged a rally from 11 points down late in the fourth quarter to win that game in double overtime. And by the end of the game, he was the best player in the field. Unfortunately, that same night, that same Saturday night, in week three of the season for Colorado, Travis Hunter was hurt on a late hit by CSU defensive back Henry Blackburn. And with a lacerated liver, he missed, well, the better part of a month. Came back maybe too soon in the Stanford game and was used perhaps questionably on both sides of the ball in his first game back. And though he played very well as a receiver, he got exploited, maybe for the only time this year, really got exploited in his coverage as a cornerback that night. And Stanford down 29 to nothing, the game that really turned CU's season in the opposite direction from which it began. Leading 29 nothing against woeful Stanford at halftime in Boulder on homecoming and blowing the ball game as it turned out in overtime when Shadur Sanders threw an interception in overtime that basically finished the game. In fact, did finish the game. No, basically, it finished the game. That injury to Hunter was devastating. And we knew going into the season that any injury to irreplaceable players, Shadur Sanders, Travis Hunter, maybe Shiloh Sanders, who also missed some time with injury this year, any one of those three guys, 
at least those three, if any one of them got hurt, much less two or all three, as has been the case, C was going to be in trouble. There was no there there otherwise. Deion Sanders has built a team that overachieved early, got worn down, probably underachieved. I don't think anybody thought they were going to beat Oregon. And I don't think even when they were 3-0, and who thought they'd beat Oregon? Come on now. Nobody thought they'd beat USC. Very few people thought, other than Arizona State and Stanford, one game on the road and one game at home, that they, they might win any games inside of the Pac-12. Any games. Two conference wins. Well, they end up with one. It, it would seem. It would seem. We all knew that if they did not have six wins going into the last two road games at Washington State and at Utah, they weren't likely to go to a bowl. They didn't already have the six necessary to qualify. Turns out they have four. I thought they had a shot at Pullman last Friday night. I did not consider that it would be the last Pac-12 game, as we know the Pac-12, ever played in Pullman. And Washington State is one of the two teams that got caught without anything, (laughs) along with Oregon State, right? Left empty-handed. Left behind is every other one. Right. Ten, ten schools will be moving next year. Two will be left, perhaps to merge with the Mountain West under what heading? Anyone's guess. But Washington State had a chance, and Washington State wasn't very good this year, but they had a chance to run it up on one of those schools who was leaving them behind. And... I don't think they minded running it up a little bit on the University of Colorado. When Colorado played Oregon State, it was a tighter game. It was played here. But though Oregon State started the game slowly, that was not a game CU was likely to win. Oregon State's too good. Oregon State's one of the top 20 teams in the country. So, here we are, and we look now ahead, not to the Utah game, because even if Colorado wins, it doesn't prevent them from having a losing season. We look to the recruiting season, right? And in a few weeks, I suppose, we start looking at the transfer portal in December, as time goes on. But... The picture on the recruiting trail is not bright, and Deion Sanders was asked about that, at least for 2024. And we'll hear what he had to say at his Tuesday press conference next. Sandy Clef with you on Mile High Sports. 
Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Sandy Clough, Sean Rotar. Sean is sitting it out for this week. He will rejoin us on Monday. Deference to the Thanksgiving holiday. We will be off tomorrow and Friday as well, but uh, sports activity does not stop. And Marty Richardson of Dog Nation never stops. Uh, Holidays, whatever. You are working, the hardest working man in uh, show business. Uh, Dog Nation is a philanthropic hockey organization that does fantastic work. Uh, We talk on the air and off the air on a fairly regular basis. And we, you never run out of things to tell me about all the things going on with respect to Dog Nation, all the philanthropy that you're, you're doing across the hockey world in North America. Yeah. Safe to say, because it isn't just the United States. It's north of the border in Canada, where you're working with the Humboldt folks. Yeah. I know very actively and very regularly. Um, talk about short-term stuff that's going on, uh, long-term stuff. We had a chance to chat uh, last week about uh, sled hockey Yeah, uh, here and visit with uh, uh, a remarkable gentleman. Uh, who is the president of yeah, Colorado, sled, Colorado hockey. sled Hockey. Yeah, You are also now officially, and this is why I feel especially privileged to be in your company, you are also now a president. Yeah. <laughs> president of Dog Nation. Uh, talk, at, let's go back to the beginning. For those who are not familiar with you and your story, yeah. how did Dog Nation begin? What was the genesis? Yeah, of Dog so Nation? so Dog Nation is not a whole lot different than a lot of your listeners out there that play any kind of sports, whether it's a golf team or soccer guys or basketball guys. We were a beer league hockey team, and a lot of people talk talk about those. And and uh, once a week, the boys will be boys, and got together in that locker room. And um, in two thousand and nine, February two thousand and nine, we had fifteen guys on that team, and. In a nine-day period, not one, not two, but three of those guys were diagnosed with cancer. And each time I, I, I was the captain of that beer league hockey team, and I'd take those guys off the email and say we're going to raise some money for Danny or Dave or or Andy that night, and and we would, and we'd go see these guys in the uh, in the hospital afterwards. But um, each time we really just started as a passing of a hat, and those guys all kind of got back into the lineup with different degrees of effectiveness because they were going through chemo or radiation. And, and it was important that they were just part of our team. And then unbelievably a fourth guy on that team got sick. And, and that was later in that year. And his wasn't cancer. His was an autoimmune disease. And unfortunately it took his life um, that following April. And, and when that happened, took his three daughters aside and said, I want to do something in your dad's honor. I don't know what it is, but I want to do something. And, started this thing called dog nation hockey foundation and and uh 13 years later we've been able to hand 13 out, years yeah 13 wow. years that crazy um we've been 2010 able, yeah yeah it was one 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 so it was oh yeah so really one, one, so it was the yeah. first day of the new decade it really. was it was yeah and it was, um, so a bunch of guys left wing and goalie and and yeah. uh right defenseman all through a hundred dollars in the middle of the table a group of uh, beer league hockey players what possibly could go wrong and we um we decided to start a 501c3 and 
and we've now been able to hand out over four and a half million dollars and help literally that's stunning i'm I'm sorry that's that's just stunning yeah thank you four and a half million dollars and and you are the energizer bunny you're all over the place all the time i doubt much of anyone can keep up with you i know you've gotten to know dr perea yeah and he can come close. Yeah, he, run, he gives sure. me a run for my yeah, money. Yeah, I'm not. He gives you a run for your money, but he he doesn't exceed you. I don't uh, <laughs> believe. But uh, you you have come to be involved and very much aware of what is going on in the hockey world, yeah. helping those who have fallen on hard times. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've uh, worked with you and uh, spoke at one your events on, on mental health. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know how seriously you take that and how openly the people you help talk about their vulnerability and talk about their experience, Mm -hmm. even talk about some dark places that they reached in their lives. Yeah. Really important because, um, uh, it's one of the, one of the Humboldt kids you mentioned Humboldt earlier is a guy named Tyler Smith and, Tyler, um, he, he started a group in Canada after the accident called It's Okay Not to Be Okay. And, yes. And um, Tyler's been down here a couple times with me, I think three times now. And and um, a big message from him, I mean, that shows your vulnerability, but you're not alone. There's going to be someone else in that same boat. And that's a really big part of what we do. And whether that might be mental health or but maybe that might be somebody that's uh, had a heart transplant and, and, and uh, needs another guy that's, had a heart transplant to yeah. talk to and or somebody that had cancer talks to somebody else with cancer and um really really big part of ours is the as we call it the pack um once you you become part of this and then um our our goal is to have you involved in another way maybe that's financially sponsorship wise or whatever but yeah. a lot of times i mean ideal it's it's you're helping the next guy and and you pass that along you create that environment of giving uh, in a way that uh, few people do, and uh, you, you've been invaluable uh, as a resource for uh, amateur hockey here in the area, and you, more than just about anybody else, can speak to the extraordinary growth of the hockey community mm-hmm. here in the state of Colorado. And um, I believe I remember this correctly from our last conversation the other night, that when it comes to sled hockey, Colorado is not only the leading state in the United States, but worldwide. Yeah. Yeah. When it comes to participation mm -hmm. and obviously a championship that was won last year. Mm -hmm. And actually um, the NHL um, sled hockey classic was this weekend in Tampa. And lo and behold, Jerry Duvall, who you were talking to last week, Came home with another title, so so they, I'm not surprised. Yeah, yeah, they won wearing wearing the Avs um, third jersey from last year with right. the, with the C on the front. Yeah, like, back to our Rockies yeah. gate sure, days, you and me. Sure. But um, it's a, but, us both. Yeah, and so um, but yeah, amazing stuff. And they won four games, and one of the guys on that team, I'll, I'll call him out. I called him this morning, but lives down in Tampa. I mean, uh, yeah. uh, grew up in Tampa, but lives in Colorado now. Right. Um, that's Declan Farmer. Get this stat line. He played four games. He scored yeah. 18 goals and 17 assists. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Pretty good. But they, they won it all again. And yeah. every team, they divided it up. 
every single team had had uh, four or five U.S. national team players on. So it wasn't like they they had they they played really really well. Yeah. But they also had Wayne Gretzky, mm-hmm. also known as Declan Farmer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a good guy to have. Yeah. Uh, and especially when he doesn't have to be a one man team. Although, eighteen yeah. goals and seventeen assists <laughs> in four games. Yeah. Uh, most teams in the NHL would be more than happy over any four game stretch at yeah. any time during the season. Yeah. No to score doubt. eighteen goals mm-hmm. in four games mm-hmm. as a team. Yeah. Uh, more, they'd be thrilled. Yeah. I'd be over four goals a game. They'd be thrilled. Uh, talk about some of the other things you you were involved in, along with. Uh, with sled hockey and yeah. and the Humboldt kids, and from not those not familiar, the Humboldt Broncos were involved in a tragic uh, bus accident mm-hmm. several years ago that took many many lives. And from the beginning, you've been involved, and I know it's something that Jared Bednar has also been mm-hmm. closely tied to. Yeah, Jared Jared grew up in Humboldt, and, yeah. and uh, I didn't even realize that until actually I started to help the Humboldt boys, and yeah. um and Jared reached out to me and said I. Like, I know you're bringing one of the boys down. Can you right. bring another? And it yeah. turned out it was the son of one of his high school friends. Yeah. And um, two boys were paralyzed. And that's kind of where it started with, with Jared and I created a really good relationship between the two of us. But um, we haven't stopped with the Humboldt kids. That was on April 6, 2018. So, yeah. so it's been yeah, a while it's, now. And, and been um, more than five yeah, and a half years. Yeah, and I yeah. pretty much go up at least once a year still. And, and um we do a lot of neat stuff, and this year we're going to do it again on on uh, January fifth. We're I'm going to be taking a group from Humboldt to the DU game, and then January sixth to the Avs game. And what this group is, it's it's parents of kids that perished in the accident. Yeah. So um, pretty cool that we still do a lot of that stuff. We also do um, uh, the other uh, weekly and tomorrow morning, every single Wednesday we do this, and and local rinks donate the ice, which is really fantastic and it's a thing called hockey heels and everybody out on the ice has um gone through a traumatic um injury illness and some are still in the bits of their battle there's there's cancer patients out there cancer survivors out there there's burn victims there's strokes there's long covid all different things but the big thing is it doesn't it's not great hockey but it's great people and our our goal is to kind of get those people around each other and um healing's the goal yeah it is the goal it is the goal healing more than the hockey yeah and the, and the guy who started all why we started all that um uh was a a young man named well he's not young but um uh, mid 40s at the time van mm-hmm. stone had a um young to me yeah yeah and me <laughs> so a traumatic brain injury um yeah. he was a a college hockey player at Lake Forest College in yeah. in Illinois and then became a like played high levels and coached and all that yeah. and became just the American dream kind of and uh, in on January 21st 2018 he slipped on his staircase and and had a traumatic brain injury and to the was told he could never skate again and lo and behold that's why we started um that the whole uh, hockey heels and yeah. and Van and I actually took in the Bronco game together on on uh, Sunday night. So that was a good one to see. Yeah, it was a good as, game. Uh, as it turned out. Yeah. And uh, I, I know we spoke about this last week. It's extraordinary to me. I know you've always had the help of the amateur hockey community, particularly mm-hmm. DU. Yeah. They, they've always been oh, with phenomenal. A phenomenal relationship. But has the NHL surprised you a little bit? Because there was a time mm-hmm. before Dog Nation was brought into existence by you um, there was a time when the NHL was viewed as perhaps not as forward thinking as some of the other major professional 
sports. But as far as you're concerned, the NHL's really come a long way, and they've been engaged with you. Yeah, I, I think the, I, I agree with you on that. Um, Elizabeth Johnson, some of the people at, that in the, at the NHL headquarters, are um, they really put they, – they have a motto, hockey is for everyone, and that, that transcends a lot of areas, um, and whether that be race or, yes. or different things in there. And they, they, they really live by that, and um, sometimes that's controversial, and – and they yeah. still step up and, and do it anyway. And um, uh, to me, it's uh, it's a really big deal to me to see that, and it's important to me. And I'm, uh, you know, hats off to to that group at, at the NHL. LBGDQ, yeah, you know, heavily yeah. involved. And yes, some of that has proven to be somewhat controversial on yeah. uh, on the playing level. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I give the NHL credit, and Gary Bettman, who probably in the minds of most hockey fans has had his ups and downs. Mm-hmm. This is one of his better efforts. Yeah. Endeavors, yeah, they, the yeah. willingness to engage. I in agree. The way he has. I agree. And they, they, um, they prove it all the time. They do it all the time. And, um, yeah. that has a, uh, created a lot of conversations with myself and the, and the NHL. And, yeah. and they certainly have taken note and, and did a feature on, um, dog nation last year and right. the hockey heels program. So it was, um, that really put us on the forefront and in front of a, a lot of people and especially locally where the, some of the TV stations did some stuff in addition to that. So, um, can't beat that being on your yeah. show. These are yeah. really important things for us. Well, we'll have you on, uh, as often as uh, we can. And we know in early January mm-hmm. you'll be busy, but uh, yeah. around the holiday season, your work does not stop Yeah, between now and, and Christmas between now and the end of the year. Uh, your work continues, and uh, when we come back, uh, if you don't mind, we'll we'll talk about two areas in which you are uh, uh, far expert, uh, far more expert than most of us. Uh, hockey. We'll talk some abs. We'll talk some du. Both had uh, tough losses yeah. in their most recent uh, game. Maybe you could help them out with the ice, out yeah. of Magnus. Yeah, that was interesting. That was interesting. <laughs> that was interesting. We'll talk about that. Uh, and more as we continue with Marty Richardson of Dog Nation, the president of Dog Nation, right here on Mile High Sports with Sandy and Sean. Stay with us. This is Sandy Clough and Sean Drotar on Mile High Sports. Sandy Clough with Sean Drotar indeed. Sean is off this week. He will be returning on Monday. We will be off tomorrow and Friday and obviously on Thanksgiving Day as well. So uh, uh, be safe on this uh, very long Thanksgiving Day uh, week and weekend upcoming. Marty Richardson, the president of Dog Nation, has been speaking with us uh, for the past uh, uh, 20, 25 minutes, and we'll keep Marty on with us until uh, the top of the hour and talk some hockey. But I wanted to make mention of Colorado Gives Day on December 5th. Uh, you raised $120,000, if I'm not mistaken, last year, and you hope to do, I'm guessing, at least as well this year. Yeah, it's always fun to break records. So um, 
uh, the last few years, we went from 20,000 to 50 to 80 to 120. And those, uh, there were some lofty checks we got last year yeah. right on the day of um, that I know we won't. There's a couple of those we won't be getting this year. So the 120 is going to be a tough one. But uh, yeah. but uh, we're out of the gate pretty quick. I, I was calculating it today. We're at, uh, we went over 18,000 today. Well, maybe get some help. So, yeah. So, um, but yeah. Unexpected place. Yeah, it's a big day for really every charity in Colorado. So not just Dog Nation, anybody out there. that There's a lot of a really, really great charities out there. And um, uh, this time of year is a really important time to support those. Well, uh, interesting weekend on uh, – uh, the hockey front here locally, uh, DU splitting with Omaha, winning 8-4, and then expecting to play on Saturday night. They got a period in, and then there was a puddle behind one of the goals, and they couldn't quite fix it, and the logo was protruding through the ice yeah. surface, which sounds messy enough yeah. even to me, and I don't skate very well. <laughs> Better to say I don't skate at all because yeah. I'm so bad. <laughs> but uh, they had to play Sunday, yeah. and what they did was resume the game at the start of the second period, which has got to be a little weird on a Sunday mm-hmm. afternoon when uh, certainly the DU kids aren't used to playing. Yeah. Sometimes I know there are games played in college hockey on Sunday, but not very many, not very often. In any case, they lost the game 4-3, to three. so they split the weekend series. Um, uh, I haven't seen the rankings this week, but uh, I, I'm sure they're still – Top five yeah. uh, in in the national rankings. Of course, the pairwise don't start to mean very much until we, we get around to January. But uh, I, I was talking to David Carl on uh, the same show we were on together last week, and I, I said to him, you have a very entertaining team to watch, but I'm not sure they're quite as entertaining to coach because <laughs> they score a lot and maybe at times too much for their own good, and they dug some holes this year in games, sometimes like at Arizona State mm-hmm. a week and a half ago, they can bounce back. But other times, like the other night, it kind of gets away from them. Um, Avs know about that. Uh, when they lose, they tend to give up four goals. Yeah. Yeah, both, the, yeah, both those were, um, uh, as you and I both follow those teams very closely, and yeah. um DU is there. They remind me of like what we've seen in the last um, couple of years. And even, even some of the years where they won it, where they, especially with Montgomery, they would kind of start slow and then they, they turn it on with, in the second with George Kwasdecki too. That's yeah. kind of been their a MO, hallmark, though, uh, a sort of MO to you hockey. And I, I talked to David Carl about that. And he said, you know, uh, last year we didn't have as many bumps mm-hmm. and, kind of fizzled out at the end yeah now the injuries had something to do with it but even in the championship year two years ago they had bumps they yeah. got off to a slow start yeah and they peaked at the right time peaked at the end of the year uh forged two great upset wins at the frozen four yeah against a michigan team that was loaded with nhl draft picks mm-hmm. and then beat minnesota state the championship game another team that was loaded and yeah. favored over yeah. DU. um I remember at least the first of the two championship teams that George coached back to back in 03-04 and 04-05. The first year, they weren't even going to be in the tournament at midseason. They looked dead in the water. Yeah. And they got hot at the right time. And they did qualify 
uh, not as a particularly high seed, but they got into the tournament and again got hot, had the hot goaltender mm-hmm. uh, in uh, Adam Burkle, I believe. It was, yeah. That year. And you're, you can correct me if I'm wrong on any of this. Came back yeah. the next year and they were dominant. They were like the Broncos were yeah. the second year in a row that the Broncos won the Super Bowl in 1998. Yeah. That was DU in 04 But most years they do struggle and some of it is by design because, boy, do they schedule tough early on out of conference. They're not yeah. playing Division two teams. No, uh, no. I, coming out of the chute. They're, they're playing at Providence and Boston College, and they're going to Alaska, which, they, I mean, maybe the competition isn't the greatest, but that's a tough trip mm-hmm. to make. And then they played in the desert against an Arizona State team uh, for two games that's ranked in the top 20 in the country. Yeah, no, and Alaska's not bad. They were and they Alaska's were pretty, pretty good. They beat BU here last yeah. year, so yeah. that was a yeah. that's a halfway decent team. And um, but you're right. They, I, I think it's better when they play like this. And back to those those teams in the early 2000s. That was uh, Gabe Goche in the penalty yeah. box with well, two men down, and it was a six on down, three. If you remember, remember that, that? like yeah. six on three. Yeah, and the big break they got is nobody practices six on three. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They don't practice six on four that much. Yeah, six on three, not something you practice. And that came in the championship game against Maine. Maine yep. And I, I just remember, I mean, first of all, it was a remarkable minute, 20 seconds, mm-hmm. however long it was. Matt Carr was on the ice the whole time. Mm-hmm. Let her go on to win the Hobie Baker Award uh, in in another season. Yeah. But uh, Maine really didn't know what to do, so they just started firing shots from right. anywhere and everywhere. Mm-hmm. And missing the net frequently yeah. and of course Burke was great mm-hmm. and and the defense the three people out there did just yeah. an unbelievable job can you imagine that goaltender pulled and you're two men short yeah uh, it's, you know, it's, it's I, I've never seen that certainly not in that context yeah. the championship context but uh, yeah they're entertaining to watch you know I and, and I think you believe this too and I still believe it even though DU won over CC twice recently and beat him pretty soundly mm-hmm. both times I think CC is much improved. Yeah, Chris Mayotte's done a great job down he there, is. and they've uh, uh, he's got some ties into that U.S. development program, so he's been able yeah. to bring in some oh, yeah. <laughs> pretty top players. Yeah, down this there. is the best they've recruited since. Yeah, uh, Lucia was there, uh, and and uh, maybe his successor, yeah. Uh, Owen. Yeah, right? uh, yeah, and they they D, CC for people that follow hockey in Colorado, they had some really good programs in the two thousand. Like really you good bet. and they were from mid nineteen nineties to yeah. mid two thousands, they were as good as any. every bit yeah. of match for DU yeah. head to head. Yeah, no, I think so too. And it, getting the new building definitely helps. And they, yeah, they've, um, and it's an NHL size rink. It's mm-hmm. not the Olympic size sheet. Yeah, and more and more stuff. college teams are going to NHL size rinks because more and more college players are going right to the NHL. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now they they got it going down there, and that that was a little bit of quirky series in my eyes too because I think they're better than that and they, if you they look are. at those two they line are. scores you'd be like yeah. wow do you still yeah and I, and don't, I don't i are. don't think so and i i go back to the championship game i think last year in the conference tournament uh, cc won mm-hmm. one nothing i think it was and the D didn't come close to scoring and burko was yeah. terrific on goaltender uh who you know well mm-hmm. and you you go back a ways with him. Yeah, the ones uh, that are um, that's kind of interesting on both those teams. Um, 
Uh, our biggest event of the year is called the Dog Bowl. We bring in this yeah. year, believe it or not, brought in three hundred thousand dollars, and and CC puts their varsity in that in that tournament, yeah. which is pretty cool. And yeah. and our our team called the Top Dogs yeah. has about a third of the DU team. Yeah. So like the big name players, Divine and and Rizzo and Shy and most yeah. of those guys, yeah. Barons, they all play Barons, for that team. And yeah. uh, so it's kind of neat for me to see them now because they've. They've, uh, I've seen them in the summers and, sure. and they're, sure. it's a big deal for David Carl and for Chris Mayotte to, to tie into the giving back part. And, Absolutely. Uh, and pretty proud of both those. Uh, they're both, both great guys, both great guys and, uh, terrific coaches. Um, Avalanche lost last night, kind mm-hmm. of an unusual way. I don't know that it's a devastating loss, but it's just a weird way to lose when you're up three, two, 38 seconds to go. And all of a sudden you're thinking, the worst that can happen because they've got the extra attacker. They yeah. pull the goaltender. Um, worst that can happen is they score and you're in overtime. Yeah. And you got at least a point and a pretty good chance against Nashville of getting two points, even though Nashville would get a point. That was but the pressure. They uh, gave up the tying goal and then 16 seconds later, the winning goal. Yeah. And lost four to three, which was too bad. But these things kind of even out. Because yeah. they're down three nothing to Dallas and came back and won six three on Saturday, and last night they blew one that by all rights they uh, should have had. But uh, again, they're kind of where they should be, uh, better yeah. position than they were in last year when they got off to a very slow start mm-hmm. and had a slew of injuries. Uh, this year, a few injuries, but uh, yeah, one other big, than Landeskog, yeah. everybody's coming back. Right. Who's hurt? And I guess Francois is not, but. You're going to get Lekkinen back at some point uh, in a few weeks, hopefully. Uh, and, you know, otherwise Gerard missed a game last night for uh, personal reasons. But they've been they've done all right with injuries. Uh, yeah, so I far agree. on 11 and 6 is yeah. okay through 17 games, 22 mm-hmm. points. That's a good pace to. It's a long season, 82 on. games. and you, you That's do, a 100-point pace, 100-plus yeah. No, I was pace. doing that the other day. I was yeah. just kind of doing the math backwards, and they were in a, a 105 pace had they yeah. won last night. Yeah, like they won last night. Right. Right. Uh, like right. pace, right. but that's going to get you in the playoffs. And um, it was a, that was a tough loss and really uncharacteristic, kind of fluky thing when yeah. Makar overskated yeah. a puck yeah. coming off the end boards. I mean, right. odds right. of that are so oh, yeah. astronomically it, it, it low, happens. but it happens. Never happens, but it can happen, yeah. and that's that's why I, I was listening to Connor McGahee, our friend, mm-hmm. uh, the other night, and uh, you know I I had been at another event, and I came out and I was listening, and I I knew they they were ahead, but uh, Dallas had pulled a goaltender, and you know he was treating it as if was a one goal game or a tie game and you know they were up five three and of course they hit the empty net to make it six three but now i see <laughs> last night why you're never quite sure right. even in the last minute of a game if you're up a goal or two goals you're not sure of getting the two points no. there's a lot of goals scored with the goalie pulled in the nhl there seemed to be, and I thought Patrick Waugh got ahead of the game many, many years ago when he started pulling the goaltender, even when down only by a goal, with three and a half, four minutes to play. Yeah. I thought that was so smart because you just get the other team on the defensive. Mm-hmm. And you give yourself a little more time, and it's tougher for them to change. 
if you can control the puck with the extra attacker. Mm-hmm. And if you do it with a minute and a half to go, well, guys can last for a minute and a half, mm-hmm. whether it's defensemen or forwards. They can last a minute and a half. Three and a half minutes to go, they need to get off the ice at some point. Mm-hmm. And if you keep the pressure on, you got those tired players out there. Right. You're playing against. So I, I thought he was very smart. Now you see more coaches oh, doing that. So, so, and they certainly do it when they're down two goals. Yeah. With four, four and a half minutes to go, they pull the goals out. Yeah. All the time. Dallas did it. And Avs yeah. didn't even. I mean, it took a long time for them to get that empty net. Or it they, did. Yeah. And uh, the Avs are funny with the, the empty net. They had, certain guys have had empty nets to shoot at this year. Pretty wide open nets to shoot at. And <laughs> Gerard hit a crossbar at one point bounced into the netting and then they missed the net yeah. four or five times. I think they've won all those games anyway. Mm-hmm. They haven't given up anything, but um, as an old coach once said, hockey is a slippery game. <laughs> there you go. And, Who is uh, that? Weird things happen. <laughs> uh, that was actually Emil Francis, uh, the one time coach of the New York Rangers, St. Louis blues. Also, uh, I'm old. I remember guys <laughs> like that. That's yeah, a good one. The cat has since uh, passed away. Former goaltender though. Uh, and I, I, I like goaltenders, yeah. even though they're corporate yeah. uh, by nature. Anyway, Marty, great to see you. Yeah, Thank you thanks. so much for staying longer than we had scheduled. Yeah, but it's awesome. uh, really been a pleasure, and I know you uh, gave up uh, meeting uh, a friend of yours. Yeah. Who, I was going to have a beer with Eric Estrada. Like, uh, literally, so, I, I said, uh, I'm not going to have uh, a beer with you, Eric Estrada, so I can hang out with uh, my buddy Sandy. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. Good to see you, and we will uh, – talk again very soon appreciate it and we'll come back and yes we will hear from Deion sanders and we will uh, try to interpret the nature of Deion sanders remarks looking ahead to the recruiting season and making a statement that um, might be interesting <laughs> for a lot of people coming out of the mouth of Deion sanders that's next 